Welcome to another episode of the Essential Craftsman Podcast. I'm Nate, and this interview is a little different, and let me kind of set the table for you before we get started. This is a discussion with my dad and an old family friend, Brian Pitt. Now, Brian is more than a family friend. He has been a invaluable consultant for us at Essential Craftsman over the last several years. Brian has a really deep background in video production, and we have no background in video production. So shortly after we started, Brian reached out and has been advising and giving us tips and and in a lot of times really very detailed training for me, especially on on how to make these videos. So a lot of this discussion revolves around video production and video work and some of the things that we learned that may be interesting if you have any interest in making videos or online content of any sort. The other part of the discussion, and this may be more interesting for those of you who are regular watchers, Brian knew my dad when he was starting when he was nine years old, maybe eight, and has some interesting and fun memories and insight to what it was like as a kid seeing the essential craftsman in 1990 in 1990 and 1991 or whatever year whatever years those were and they talk a bit about some of the those fun memories what it was like living in Vegas at that time as neighbors and I, the reason I think you may enjoy this is because you're going to get to see uh, a side of my dad you haven't seen before or at least a side that doesn't come through in our how-to and very specific videos because he's talking to a, a, a very beloved family friend here, someone who's helped us out and someone that he's cared about since he was a little boy. And it was just a lot of fun and I can't thank Brian enough. Now, he his background in video, let me be a little more specific. He started in video in high school as a as a hobby, filming his brothers skateboarding and making kind of videos for fun and basically never set the camera down and has created a, a really amazing career for himself in video work. It's really a testament to if you pursue something that you love and you're passionate about, then it can really pay off big. And Brian now works for a, a banking institution. He's one of the higher up heads in their entire video team, and he is the real deal. He's, he's got a great insight, not just in video, but how it fits together in a comprehensive marketing team in 2020 when video work is more important than ever. So I hope you enjoy this. Brian's a great guy. My dad's here. Let's get right to it. Well, thanks for coming, Brian. And right off the bat, I want to ask you as someone who knew the essential craftsman <laughs> in his prime in ah. Vegas, what that was like and if you have any specific memories or anecdotes of this guy back in the day oh uh, yeah i mean how how old were we when I, we moved to las vegas i think in 1990 my family so i was eight or nine um we met you guys pretty pretty immediately i think like within the year yeah so and i was 33 at the time oh, that's wild you're yeah. Five years younger than Nate and I. Yeah, so that? 33 with four kids, the, the oldest being probably 10 or so, and the youngest yeah. being 
two or three or yeah. something. Yeah. So yeah. basically the the pr- the prime crosshairs of dadhood yeah. and, and working productivityhood. Yeah. yeah. And my parents had five kids. I'm right in the middle. You and I are nearly the same age, a couple mm-hmm. months apart. Our brothers just younger than us are the same age and our youngest brother, brothers yeah. are the same age. So yeah. there, there were a lot of... I don't know, a lot of friendships yeah. and it, it just kind of worked for, for us sets. to be friends. Match yeah. Set, match set, match set. But back to your question, the there's there's two things I remember about oh, no. the Las Vegas Scott Wadsworth and one of them is a mustache. <laughs> yeah, a big old bushy mustache you had and then yeah. and the trombone. Oh those yeah. Are, <laughs> those are those are the two first things that come to mind, but Neither of which are really a part of essential crafts. <laughs> yeah, it's like the trombone needs to needs to get in on it. But yeah, I mean, I, I remember having um, Pitt and Wadsworth family music nights. We'd we'd have almost just like music recitals where we'd mm-hmm. all practice our own thing, and you and my dad would be playing trombone and piano and. Yeah. There was that, and then I, I remember um, the second spec house you were building over there. You Kinda remember everything's, that? I, I do, because you, you guys were on the same street as the Thistles, yeah, where, yeah. where that second one was. Yeah. So I remember Nate and I were maybe in third or fourth grade, and we'd be playing after school and go down there, and you'd be carrying lumber and hammering nails and all <laughs> that stuff. And it just, it, just as, even as a kid, I mean, it blows my mind now when I see your spec house, but even more so as a little kid, it's like he's building an actual, he's building a house. Ah. And, and it was a nice house. It was. We, we thought we would be living there. I, if you would have asked me then, I would have told you I would be living there when I was 62. Oh, I, I thought that was always a spec house. No, the first one I was, yeah. I was building to, to turn, oh, you know, but, but the second one I decided, nope, this is it. Oh, wow. You know, and so we adjusted the floor plan from the first one and huh. stretched it, and that was going to oh, be it. Yeah. And what, maybe two years ago, I was in Vegas and I, I drove to the old neighborhood. Did you and drive te- through well, there? I, I texted, I, I took a picture of each of the houses and, and sent it over That's to you. Right, you. And did. I think you told me that Vegas looked mighty fine in the rearview mirror or something <laughs> like <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, th- those, are, those are some of the things did that you, I remember. Did you build those like nights and weekends? Yeah. Those houses? Yeah. You were working full time? Yeah. The, the first one, from breaking ground to moving in was 60 days. And I was running a, a I was piecework stacking with a four-man stacking crew at the same time. 60 so, days. So how, how is it that you did that? I'm guessing you sent in like a piecework crew for everything besides the framing or how is that even um, possible? No, I did the same thing. I, did, I, set, I set up the slab and then brought in a, a crew to pour it and then framed it complete and then turned it over to subs and then uh, trimmed it out. But Las Vegas has an intense construction <laughs> mentality, and we weren't making videos at the time, yeah. so it all went a lot faster. <laughs> but 60 days is one thing, but 60 days of nights and weekends is another, yeah. right? I mean, if you were working yeah. a day job in the days. Yeah, I, I think I, I think there was a, a one, there was like a, a, a week or 10-day stretch in there where we were in between releases. I was I was stacking roofs at Crystal Bay was a tract, I think, that I was stacking in then. Uh-huh. And I think there was like a week or 10 days between releases of phases. Oh. And so the guys that I was using stack, and I think I brought over, but mostly it was just use all the daylight yeah you know and it went good and i was it was it was a simpler a much simpler house but it was two-story and it did have three foot overhangs by yeah. the way but they were different <laughs> so that was the first house the second one took longer yeah. wow 60 days that's pretty that's pretty impressive although i'm guessing the record is mm. much much lower like a like, couple of weeks or something like like a week yeah you know, yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I, this is off topic, but I'm reminded of, I heard about that people could buy homes out of the Sears catalog that came, mm-hmm. kit homes, I guess, mm-hmm. where you could buy a kit and everything kind of comes and assemble it. Yeah. That would be a quick way to go. I think Larry Hahn did one of those maybe. I'm not sure. He talked about them in yeah. his book, how that was a, a, I don't know about a good option or what, but yeah. he in mentioned it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Any other memories of, uh, of that before we move on there of that guy? Oh, there, I mean, just a, a lot of the same type of memory. Yeah. Just, I remember Scott was always the, and he still is. A, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the channel. You know, I, it, it's, it's weird being, being in this podcast, but just listening to the videos and the teaching. I, I remember that as a kid too. Really? Um, yeah. Just kind of going over and listening to Scott talk. Oh, and it was just yeah. interesting to hear him blah, the blah, way blah. with the words. And <laughs> he's like trying to sniff out a camera. Who's got a camera on him? <laughs> yeah. They're looking around. Surely somebody's got a camera here. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, um, I mentioned this in the introduction, but let's get to it now. We, we started making videos and it's going to be a little bit of inside baseball for you listeners. And we're going to be talking about essential craftsmen as a, you know, I guess a business a little bit. So if you're not interested in that, this is your fair warning, but <laughs> we started making these videos without any experience or training like with your iPhone, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they worked out pretty well. And at, when you first kind of paid attention to them, Brian, I want you to walk through what you can remember we were doing good and also what was happening that you're kind of like as a professional could be like you got to stop doing that right away <laughs> yeah, any, any sure. side of that um you well, told us at the time so um it, you're not gonna hurt our feelings no. <laughs> <laughs> well no i mean that i kind of want to give it just a teeny bit of backstory okay, yeah, so we had mentioned that we were childhood friends in las vegas i don't know you guys left vegas before us i don't remember was it like 93 or 94 or 94 something? we blasted off so you guys left vegas in 94 our family left in 96 or 97. But um, after that, Nate and I, we, that's kind of where our, our friendship ended. Um, mm-hmm. I know you and Kelly and my parents remained friends and saw mm-hmm. each other still every few years yep. up until now. But so anyway, th- there's that. It's mm-hmm. Nate was a childhood friend. And then it was, I think it was in 2017 in the spring. I think your mom and I became Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. And um kind of catching up a little bit and and she had posted i don't remember which video it was but she posted one of your videos and i was really intrigued i was just like oh there's scott and i i'd seen you i'd seen you a couple times but i hadn't seen like you helped me put the roof on your dad's place did, were you, did you get in on that i went down there sometime and and threw the shingles second coat of shingles over the top i don't know that i don't think i was then? there then okay no but like you you and kelly came from my mom's yeah. party that we threw for her, that 60th yep. birthday party mm-hmm. but anyway so i i I went to the channel and I was watching the videos and, and the the video that really like sucked me in was the sawmill story. And I, mm-hmm. I know I've told you about, we've talked about this a ton mm-hmm. that I was just, I was, I mean the, some, some of the technical qualities could have used some improvement, but it was more just the storytelling and, and the content. And the thing that I was just the most impressed with stumbling upon your channel was just, you guys had the hardest part of video figured out already. It's mm. creating interesting, compelling content that people want to see. Like that, that's mm. the hard part. Learning how to light stuff and how to operate equipment. That that part, you know, you can teach anyone how to do that. But mm. it was, it was just I was drawn in and just so interested. And, and I, I'm sure a small part of that was just because I knew you guys a little bit but yeah. right. but that that was a small part of it so i remember asking kelly a few questions like what's what's going on how long have they been doing this and you know i'd, I'd been doing video for 
10 plus years at that point. But yeah, I chatted with her a little bit and she's like, you should reach out to Scott and Nate and they yeah. probably want to hear some of this stuff. And so to answer your question now, um, I think that the, the most noticeable thing that was lacking was just the audio quality. It just, mm -hmm. I, I, there was, I, it was hard to hear Scott. Sometimes you would change your composition. Like you'd have, he'd be in the shop and he'd be kind of close and he'd be talking. You could hear it. Okay. But then it'd be a wider shot and, and you could hear yeah. echo. You could tell that it was the microphone on the camera right. that was picking up all the audio. So the first thing I remember we talked about is, is get him a mic, like get, get yeah. a wireless mic. And that that's gonna, yeah, they're 400 bucks. Yeah. yeah. Point B, I was like, whoa. I was <laughs> like, spent 400 bucks. I was like, uh, we're, we're probably fine. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, $400 one, that, that's, that's, that's on the budget end of, of <laughs> yeah. what you can spend with wireless. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're really, it was really more just, I, I could tell the camera you were using wasn't the highest end camera, but like all that stuff is, yeah. you know, pretty easy. It's pretty easy to fix that stuff. Yeah. We had a, to, an instinct that, um, that the quality of the, footage and such doesn't matter near as much as the quality of the information mm. but i do think that we really pushed that to the limit <laughs> <laughs> like i said yeah. by, by not by almost resisting a microphone for quite a while because it was expensive yeah and also because <laughs> adding cameras and and all of that it's it just is adds complication and i i still tell people sometimes that i think the favorite camera we've ever used is the iphone because it's like so easy yeah. it's right there it looks good and every camera since then has been just to make my life easier in production yeah. almost like in other words it, i remember a few times where people called me when i was filming and it was kind of like oh thanks for that so the first <laughs> camera was sort of to get away from that annoyance yeah well and and you've also come like a really far way in just how your understanding of a camera just little mm -hmm. things like white balance you it would just used to be on auto and you just see the colors yeah. kind of shifting yeah. throughout the video which again for 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 what you were presenting isn't it's not super crucial but just little things that you've kind of learned and tweaked over the years that have, have really really upped the quality so what what's the answer then because for people who are listening to this maybe thinking about making a video like the answer is you don't have to get a wireless microphone and no. invest that kind of money so I, I guess the answer maybe i'll answer my own question is just don't discount it or do the best you can and get the camera close or, or what? yeah i mean i i would say if if you're wanting to create videos focus on what you're wanting to create videos about focus mm -hmm. on the content um how you're going to present the content what mm -hmm. what you're going to talk about what you're going to show and then and then just do your best do you know if if you have if you have an iphone use an iphone um, yeah there you know there's some things you can do to, to help improve that. Like don't shoot, if you have a phone or something, don't shoot in a dark room, Sh you know, maybe shoot somewhere where some natural lights coming in near a window. Don't be super far away from the camera. If you're using uh -huh. the microphone that's on the camera, because um, uh -huh. the further you are away, obviously the more um, ambient noise it's going to pick up and street sounds and uh -huh. stuff like that. But yeah, um, I mean, I don't know if we want to get way into this right now, but it's just, yeah, I, I think a lot of people get way held up on the equipment and the gear and yeah. kind of neglect what they're making videos about and just want it to look and sound good but no one wants to watch it you know that's the same in every trade people get deep 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 into the tools and the gear and stuff and and don't spend enough time thinking about what they're actually producing yeah. you know so that's yeah. interesting yeah. to hear you say that yeah photography or in video work is 
it is as much a hobby industry as a professional industry. Maybe not. Actually, I would be interested I, what the breakdown was. So. In other words, I wonder if the market share of hobby photography and videography is larger than the professional use. Oh, th- Probably, yeah, right? I, absolutely. Yeah, there, there are definitely more hobbyist oh, yeah. photographers okay, than yeah. people who are, yeah, who are taking pictures to, to earn a living. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. Another point being that it's fun to collect and like get the gear and like, a lot of people are doing it for that reason, maybe yeah. more than the getting the job done. I guess tools would be the same, same way. Same, same. I know a carpenter, a good carpenter, smart carpenter, and he's got more titanium hammers than Oregon Tool does. He just buys every size and every brown because he just loves them. Those things are 120 bucks a piece. Yeah. You know, but you can only use one at a time, yeah. and he always ends up just using one all the time. Huh. But boy, he's got it. And but my friend <laughs> Steve Hood, on the other hand, who is so practical, has the same hammer that he used the first week he ever worked as a carpenter, and he's made more money building houses than anybody I know. Yeah. That know. that's really mental. In other words, he's your age, yes. and the hammer, and he's building houses today still mm-hmm. this week yeah. hot and heavy and the hammer in his bags is the, the same, same hammer one. it's a fiberglass handle so he never had to replace the wood handle the face is worn smooth but how, why would i change it works that is it's inspiring honestly <laughs> yes steve is steve's inspiring <laughs> gosh that's that's really cool okay so um let's talk about some of the technical stuff a little bit and one of the questions that i still have and maybe you could help me clarify this but when I watch YouTube, anybody, it doesn't matter who, and also any home video type thing, it just looks different than pro-grade video, like even a TV commercial or a something like what you would produce. In fact, when I've watched some of your um, commercials that from time to time that you guys produce, it's just pro-grade. And so I know it's not the camera because we have a camera that, yeah. that is like pretty good now. So can you help me understand what is it that is still making pro sh- uh, videos look that way? Yeah, I mean, th- th- honestly, there's it, it's a combination of of a lot of different things. I think one of the biggest one of the biggest things that differentiates um, kind of the you know person who has a decent camera and maybe a, a film crew is yeah. is the lighting oh. um, and. And what you're not seeing when you see, you know, these finished TV commercials is you're not seeing the amount of crew members there. You're not seeing the mm-hmm. massive banks of lights that are there mm-hmm. really. And, and and the time to set up each shot. Like it, it, it's totally different when you're you're out filming a, you know, a house being built. You're going to where the work is happening and then you're mm-hmm. you're going and you're going. But when 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 you're shooting something like a a feature or a movie or a commercial every shot is already kind of storyboarded out you know Mm. what the shot's gonna look like you know where the person's gonna be so Uh the entire set has been lit just to make that one person standing in that one place look really good whoa and then you shoot that and then you reset for the next scene and and it's i mean to shoot a you know to shoot a 30 second commercial we could be shooting for 10 plus hours um only needing a a small handful of shots is there's so much time that goes into the wow into the setting up and just moving lights around. And, and, and there's a, there's a big crew there too. There, there are a lot wow. of people behind the scenes that are. So is there someone who is sitting, looking at the camera, I'm guessing for a couple hours of that 10 hours saying like, nah, move it a little this way. Is somebody just making Absolutely. judgment calls? More, yeah. You, and it d- depends on the, I kind of laugh because it, it, if it's, if it's like an agency and a client work, they're, they're both doing it kind of for different reasons. And one is saying it and making the, 
Mm. You know, the the director, the DP just kind of cringe and what what's a DP? So it's a director of photography, um, kind of a person who's just really concerned about the look. They're usually running the camera. Okay. Um, really kind of helping the just the the vision of of whatever the script is kind of come to life and to kind of the creative the, some of the creative driving force behind it. Okay, so the director of photography, so their their area of responsibility on the set is just the cameras and the yeah, and, and honestly, it, it it just it depends on the scale of the production. Uh-huh. A, a lot of times, like a lot of the projects I did earlier in my career, it's, it's I show up with a camera and lights and and you are the figure it out DP, and, yeah. and make it working that I'm behind the camera while we're shooting and kind of yeah. helping the client. But yeah, it, it, it all just depends on okay, how big so, of a budget it so is. So the director and the DP are both kind of looking, let's say you're set, setting up a shot and they're both kind of like agreeing on, yeah, that looked better. That It's like a trial and error yeah, thing or and, is and, it a and check I've, the box? I've been, again, just with different production companies and different crews and the way people work with other people, it, it really kind of can depend okay. on, on the project oh. and, and, and just how many you know, how many of those production roles are being filled. Huh. So th- th- there's not really a concrete answer. Is, is there a relationship between how big the budget is and how good the film clip ends up looking? Or is it much more a function of just the talent and the people and the, I mean, the skill of yeah, the person I mean, with the camera? That, that's a hard question. It, it Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a really good crew where people maybe feel more wear more than one hat do more than one job on the crew to keep costs down that can do every bit as good a work as okay. you know that's what i'm wondering as, as three people who are doing very specific jobs you can have one person who's maybe doing all three of them maybe it takes a little more time to mm-hmm. set up and things like that but mm-hmm. yeah it, it it's just like i'm sure it's just like with what you do yep, you know if, if you find the right people you can probably mm-hmm. you know get get more bang for your buck if mm-hmm. you trust yeah. the people you work with and it's very very similar in the in the you know video production world. We mm-hmm. we use a lot of the same vendors over and over again because we we trust them and we know that they're going to do good work. Mm-hmm. So what what is it about lighting? Let's like keep on that for a minute because I know it's something that we don't think about or do a good job at. But what is the goal to like light every corner of a person's face, or do you want like a big shadowy dramatic it, shot, or what? What's the goal, and how does it? help like with the i know i know it affects how the how well the camera can focus so can what's the goal yeah it it totally depends on what kind of content you're producing if you watch tv shows watch something like a a drama like a breaking bad versus some kind of comedy like arrested development just look at the difference in in the lighting and in a comedy it's usually just going to be kind of flood the set with light have everything be bright the background and the foreground like just kind of it, it it can kind of lend to the mood whereas if you're watching something that's more dramatic you're usually going to have pretty strong light coming from one direction and a lot of shadows yeah lot lots of shadows that you know lend to that mood and then and even then you go past lighting and and the way you know the footage is color corrected or graded can lend more to that mood you know something supposed to be a little bit more sad might have a, a, a bluish tint to it and Wow. Yeah. So, so, like so th- there's not an answer at all wow. on, on lighting. It, it, it's totally what is what is the mood you're going for? for? So for, I mean, something like what you guys do, it's obviously, you know, you just want to be able to see yeah. and <laughs> see well and, and, and yeah. have what you're seeing be in focus. <laughs> yeah. So that's really interesting because in the artist blacksmith world, what it boils down to 
when you're when the difference between hand forged metal and fabricated metal is the hand forged metal has a plate for place for light to reflect everywhere there's a hammer blow the light can reflect in a different way so you're really creating opportunities for light to reflect to add value to what you're forging and so it's so yeah. interesting to hear how you, life mm. light is the constant constant kind of right dominating element in anything artistic but but yeah and just to go back a teeny bit on what i said there's there are some kind of rules of thumb like there's three point lighting which is pretty simple you have a key light which is going to be like your main light source mm -hmm. and kind of coming from the other angle you're going to have a fill light which is going to fill in those shadows a little bit and the relationship between those two you know you, you can have the fill as strong as your key or almost as strong and it's going to be a lot more even lighting or mm -hmm. you can just bounce a little bit of it off if you want it to be a little bit more moody and then you know usually a backlight coming from behind you so if you're lighting a person generally there's a key light a fill light and a backlight mm -hmm. and then there's and then you can just go crazy from there really I, I mentioned this to you, but I saw a photograph of Donald Trump's interview on 60 Minutes, and it was like a pulled back shot. I was floored at the number of lights. You could barely make the president and the interviewer out. I'm not kidding. And there was people everywhere, but yeah. there was a light bigger than this table, Whoa. like right over this lady. I can't remember her name. I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's wild. That's what I was saying. Like yeah. when, you, when you see the TV commercial, you're, you're seeing like this finished shot that looks really crisp and yeah but you're not seeing just the crew and the lights and all that stuff that that's kind of there making it happen while it's happening do you think like in, so you you have a lot of experience with video but at, at least in the last few years you're also sort of working more with general marketing and sort of engagement with audiences and you know that type of thing so do you think that it's worthwhile for people like us making not professional video content to stress about that or or do you think in general youtubers like or, sh or hobby people should be like pushing in that way or do you kind of still think nah just focus on the content and so, don't stress and be a little more specific with your question so should or, we do a better job at our lighting there you go <laughs> oh there with you your go. lighting okay <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you're going the, the marketing route well um, I, I, I'm, yeah it's gotten better i mean yeah. it has it absolutely gotten better the the quality of your stuff is is again i'm a fan here it but it doesn't hurt your eyes anymore to watch our videos no it, oh, it, it it never ha i mean you can always you know like those those lights are those the yeah. lights that we're using right now these little led lights if you know like what if you're shooting over the spec house and you're down in the crawl space yeah bring, bring a light down there so you so you can see what's going on yeah. and i think when you're doing your more of that interior finish work it, it'll be you know i i think the the natural light that's coming in with all the windows is going to be helpful but yeah i mean just bring bring one of these little led lights and and just so what about people like not where we're at um and this is maybe more the marketing side of the question and and just the, the maybe the future of youtube and this sort of small creator video do you think that the quality will continue to go up as there's more videos ours has do you think that that's sort of the future with that or do you think it's okay for people marketing to continue to make sort of more how would you call that like does does authenticity trump video quality to what how how would you balance I, those I, two things there's the whole you know content is king yeah idea and and it's true i mean what 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 you're trying to communicate or convey is is going to be yeah. more important than 
how you're doing it or, or how it looks, but that's not to say it doesn't matter how it looks. Cause I, I watched some YouTube channels and the one I'll say is that I can thinking of is the grind hard plumbing. Do you ever watch those guys? Okay. Mm -mm. They are, they're making like go-karts out of Barbie hot wheels and just like really neat snowmobile engine swap into dirt bikes. And, and, um, so it's the same type of workbench hobby and they're young guy. Anyways, their, their videos are so beautiful. When I end one, I just feel so bad about myself. <laughs> I do. I'm just kind of like, I should quit. But see what you're, you, <laughs> it's not know. a question. You, I'm just continuing you, you to like be amazed at how good compare it though. But I guess, so that's the point. Like, oh, and I know that our videos have gotten better. So for smaller creators, they may feel that way when they watch some, some of our videos, it could be, but I guess what I'm just echoing is that don't compare yourself to no. higher no, quality, and, even and, though the general and, quality of everybody across that, that's the point. The overall, the quality of the content, just from a technical standpoint, is getting better. It's going right? up. Well, it's going and, up. and no matter how good it is, it can always get better. Yeah. Right. Honestly. That's but right. but on like on the opposite end of that, there have been times where we have shot things to try to look lower budget. Um, really? Yeah. Well, like sometimes we'll take a, one of our good quality cameras and turn it sideways and, and shoot a, a selfie style thing with a good mic. So it looks like something that was shot on a phone to have that more kind of raw and rugged feel to it. Wow. Um, if you ever need but, tips but we on low quality, quality uh, <laughs> I can, I can help you out. <laughs> Expert. That's really interesting. Yeah. So that, that sort of authentic and natural yeah, it's just, it's look what, it's whatever look you're going for i mean it, there's not a you know like a blueprint for how to make your video yeah. look good it's what are what are you trying to make your video look like and then you can learn some of the lighting techniques or, or what equipment you might be able to get that'll help you help mm. you get there but that's exactly what you guys have done i mean the that camera you're using right now it's, an, it's a great camera mm -hmm. um <laughs> I'm losing the very last of not my naivete right now. Okay, everything that I thought was actually the way it looked turns out, no, it's not. You've done something that a lot of people listening are not jealous, but would be envious of, which is you have turned a hobby in making skateboard videos into a career. Mm -hmm. And it is it is better doing skateboard, or sorry, doing the video work you're doing than installing roofing or, or lots of other really taxing things and you have this great career with a huge bank and so talk about the career a little bit what's it like for uh people wanting to enter the video production space and how would you advise those young folks and is there something in particular you might have done different um maybe talk us through where, where how yeah, you see the industry I'll, so I'll, I'll try to keep it brief but yeah like you had mentioned i I first got an interest in video. Um, my younger brother and I did a lot of skateboarding when we were in high school and we liked to make, you know, we'd learn a new trick and we'd want to put it on video and make, make a little video. Um, do you uh, have any of those by the way still? Yeah. But, Can we end yeah. the podcast with one of those videos? Oh, I don't know about that. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I'll try to get it out of them. We'll see. They won't recognize you. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, we, uh, we, we'd get, you know, a, a number of tricks recorded that we thought was pretty cool. And then, what we would do to video edit is we would put one VHS in a VCR and hook another VCR up to it and hit play on the one and hit play and record on the other and wow. edit the videos kind of together that way just to just to yeah. compile them. Wow, um, that's cool. Yeah, I mean the cameras we were shooting on were were garbage and then they were good. Um, yeah. But I remember the first camera I bought, 
it's like five or six hundred bucks, and it was just a little eight millimeter. I mean, this was before that's even a lot for a kid. Oh, it was, was spending yeah. five hundred bucks on yeah, a camera. I, yeah, I was in high school. I mean, I working. Holy smokes! To earn it, you and, spent every penny on that camera. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I yeah, never, I never had five hundred bucks when I was in high school. But so. like the the way that the cameras have evolved, it's just it's crazy how fast. It, but anyway, I'm I'm gonna get back to yeah. Um, so yeah, I I really got into video that way when I was starting college. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and I really liked doing video stuff. And I got a computer that had some video editing ish software on it, and had fun with that. And and I decided I was gonna try to make some money doing it. Didn't I? I went into it just not having a clue what I was doing, just thinking, eh, I have a video camera, I can make some money. Yeah. So I actually took out a loan um, from the bank to get a, a more professional grade camera. Wow. For any of the video people out there, it's the Panasonic um, DVX DVX one hundred. I think it was what, was, is that what it's called. I'll, I'll have to. Yeah. But it was like it was one of the first affordable cameras that would shoot twenty four frames, and that was a huge deal back then to be able to shoot twenty four frames. Will, will a you second. explain that, by the way? Because I've only learned I probably learned that when I was thirty six, and so there might be some people who don't get. That. Yeah, film film has always shot um, twenty four frames per second, and video has generally been thirty frames per second. So a video is a series of photographs. That's what a video is like: photographs changing. And yeah. frames per second means that many individual kind of, I know they're not photographs, yeah. but going by within one second. Is that right? Yeah, kind of. And, and to get really technical, the video um, up until, I mean, video traditionally has been interlaced frames. Okay. So each frame is actually a series of even fields and then odd fields oh. that, that switch mm. off. Oh, I didn't know So that. there's, if you're ever looking in your camera, it's like, anyway, we, we, I, I won't get way yeah. into that. But okay. But anyways, it, it, this camera did 24 It did 24 frames, frames a is, second. That's, it, it, that's the way that movies look. Is that right? Yeah. It, it, okay. It's kind of that cinematic look that a lot of people yeah. tend to be after. But So anyway, I, I got this camera. I started, um, I, I did a wedding video for a friend for free. And then I used that video to try to mm. show other people. And I was doing enough wedding videos. I, I quit my job and was doing wedding videos for about six months and wow. quickly found out that I, I absolutely hated doing wedding videos. Wow. It was terrible. Yeah. The money was good, but it's just a lot of stress and nothing I would ever want to do again. So hmm. while I was doing that, I was going to school and then the company I had worked for decided that they were going to bring all their video in-house and start to do training videos. So they mm -hmm. called me and I went and took that job and then I just... That was in 2005, I think. And yeah, I worked there for several years and then switched jobs about six years ago. And it was kind of just a like a one-man band at, mm -hmm. at my last job. And, and at my new one, I started that way, um, just kind of, you know, producing videos, doing all all the editing, the shooting, the planning and all that stuff. And now, now it's grown into more of a department, but yeah, it, mm. it, it totally went from, from a hobby to, to how I make my living. So, so let me throw in a curve here. So your dad is a really good piano player. Greg can play about anything. He's very creative, very inventive. Your mom has been working for what now 35 years as a professional mm -hmm. artist and cranking out more artwork than anybody I know. Incredibly creative. Just a multi-dimensional person. Yeah. Danny's got this big musical creative gene. Younger, bro younger brother. Younger brother. Older brother, Jim. We've used him for artwork on our G channel. Yeah. Jim. One of the most talented dudes I know. Yeah. You know, the art, the beauty, 
the perspective just runs out of the end of his fingertips, whether he's using charcoal on paper or, or, mm-hmm. or doing it with a machine. Um, all of you are creative. So what you've got is a big creative outlet. What do you see anything, any kind of a consistent thing in your upbringing? What could, what, what do you think it was that your parents <laughs> I, did? What did your I parents feel like, do? I feel like the least creative person. I, I'm not kidding. Well, I know. I, but, I, I have some, I have some business. technical, some, I feel like I have a little more technical knowledge than the creative side. I've always been envious of my brothers. Um, I mean, I, I can't draw a stick figure, and you've seen some of the stuff that that Jim has drawn. Um, maybe, maybe you'll have, maybe you can put yeah, some of them I'll on po- the screen here. Up, just yeah. some of the, it, it's just insane. And yeah, I don't know. Um, I think the the artistic gene kind of passed right over me. Well, you play guitar, yes? A little, yes, yeah, yeah, a there little bit, but. I don't know. I to answer your question, I don't know. Video work seems like in some ways or it's at least equal creativity and just execution. Yeah. Right? In other in other words, just pulling it off. I mean, that's probably 90% of what shooting a wedding is, right? Is just sort of getting the shots and Yeah, and I I, I had no idea what I was doing. When I was doing <laughs> wedding videos, but I had fun doing it. Well, kind of. So, what so what what would you say to the kid because it's a, it is like a booming industry i gotta think at least with yeah, the video no, it, video online is yeah. it's got to make up 75 percent of everything that exists online at, at least in terms of size well okay. yeah a, a lot of companies now i mean traditionally the way it worked is you know you would you'd go and talk to a some ad agency and they would kind of create stuff for you and mm-hmm. you'd work with them but now a lot of companies are bringing that stuff in-house um because there's just so much video and there there are a lot of jobs for it and i i, I don't see them going away but kind of to circle back to the question you asked earlier on what, what i would advise someone to do i mean i i went to school i i didn't go i didn't get a film degree because i i didn't want to just I wanted to have other options. So I, I did a communications degree in mass communications, but all my electives, I just loaded up with video and film and motion mm-hmm. graphics and stuff like that. But for someone who's maybe in high school, if, if, if they're just 100% positive that being in video and video production is what they want to do, I, I would, I, I probably wouldn't recommend going the college route. I, I really would, yeah. I would tell them to find a production company and tell them that, you want to learn and you'll work for free or for very mm-hmm. cheap and you you'll learn so much more being on you know mm-hmm. sets and pre-production meetings and and really learning how things work then because i mean with youtube and stuff like that if, if you want to learn how a camera yeah. works and there. you know frame rates and shutter speeds oh, and what you can learn all that stuff really easy yeah um, but i i've i've learned more honestly just being on shoots with other people who Wow. You know, had been in the industry for a long time than than I ever did at school. So it, your advice would be just start doing video and film work if you don't want a backup plan and you want to be in yeah. video and film no matter what. Then yeah, th- okay. that's that's what I would recommend. If you want to go somebody, all in on yeah. it, then yeah. and the other thing would be, especially in this day and age where every cell phone is a camera, would just be start making videos yeah. about something, something about your chocolate lab. Do a little mini chocolate yeah. lab documentary and. It seems like that could not hurt just to, just even to build a teeny, teeny tiny, not, it's not a resume. What do you call that? A, a reel. A reel. Like a, yeah. Usually it's pretty standard if, if you're applying for, you know, any kind of a position where you're either shooting or editing video to, with okay. your application to attach a demo reel. It could okay. be, you know, as simple as a YouTube link. Here's some of my work. And oh, 
There you go. It's kind of like a portfolio. So I, I, I don't know if you know exactly how much of a moral support you've been for him. I mean, I, I came to what we're doing kind of knowing what I know and having practiced what I practiced. And like he said, he had no idea. He just pointed his iPhone and then figured out that there was some Apple native um, film editing software. Mm -hmm. And he, he's an Apple fanatic. And so that's what he's going to use. And so he started making this stuff. And, and I could tell that he was kind of a long ways out at sea, you know, and, and with no mm -hmm. real navigational aids at all until you guys reconnected. And all of a sudden, he started coming with some, some what, what I could tell he felt like was some real good information that he got from you that he could actually sort of start to build on. And, and you may or may not have been aware of that, but when we, when we were trying to edit that blacksmithing course was when you really yeah. started throwing <laughs> some stuff in there that was a game changer at mm -hmm. least for me, I think we were just talking. It may have been from you in that course now two years ago almost. Mm -hmm. oh, it's been that long. That you introduced what we hadn't thought of, of putting text in there to, to compensate for what hadn't been said in the, <laughs> in the teaching narrative. And arrows and some stuff on, just some sort of technical stuff on there that, com that took a lot of pressure off for both of us and having to include everything and then him having to produce, what am I the, wor the word I'm looking for, edit, Mm -hmm. create the films out of whatever he got on the camera mm -hmm. did you know what a difference that was making for us no not really it was it was fun being that blacksmithing course was man that was a lot of work it was but a it lot was, of work it was fun and i felt like i felt like i was an accomplished blacksmith after editing that until i <laughs> until went to you your shop it. and tried to actually hammer some steel holy <laughs> crap that is you make that look easy and it is not easy <laughs> yeah um i i think i also learned the official term b-roll from you and i <laughs> i remember on my computer i had identified i i had reinvented the wheel i i kind of discovered by myself kind of that oh man if i put this over there that'll hide this really ugly cut yeah and i created a folder call and i called it stock footage but <laughs> and that's just like what would be a yeah. good name for that and then you're like put some b-roll i'm like oh what's b-roll and like you know when you put a video on, i was like oh he means stock footage <laughs> <laughs> so in case there's any That's question awesome. how little we knew b-roll is yeah it's like like i'm gonna lay some footage of you blacksmithing last week over this part of the video so God you guys are watching b-roll right now it's and it's super some, helpful some sad hammering yeah it's it's super helpful um and uh yeah blacksmithing is also hard yeah you you are one more piece of evidence that i'll use to support my assertion that Nobody can hammer. Oh, jeez, yeah. I, Burn. <laughs> he's spot. I, I, I was like, I mean, I've, I've you know, I've, I've driven a few nails. I, I can black. It wouldn't be that bad <laughs> if you were doing that and he wasn't there. Yeah. Because what happens is you're going for it and then he'll like, take a turn and you're like oh well in three hits <laughs> i know he did what I, you would be having no problem and if you didn't see what well, a like the still was do. cooling down before i'd even alter the shape of it and <laughs> you hit it once and it's like looking almost done and yeah, okay the steel's like I'm what done. are you doing what that's a stop <laughs> not good anywhere no that's that was fun though maybe, maybe last point and this is more trivia for you viewers but to underscore how video is it's booming that's the only way to put it but Marco Polo. Is it Marco Polo? Yeah. It is. Marco, yeah. Marco Polo. Polo. Yeah. yeah. Um, my wife uses it daily. Almost it's probably taken out 50% of the texting that she used to do. Yeah. And that's video. That and I know she's even correctly at times like doing them maybe in front of a window to get the light right. And I know 
Marco video has is also putting email, putting pressure on email because mom you bet. used to do a lot of emails. And they're done with that now. So explain that and then and talk about how videos yeah. putting email okay. putting email out of business. <laughs> so your mom, Kathy Pitt, mm-hmm. my wife, Kelly Wadsworth, and then another mutual friend, Michelle Karen, were phone calling and then emailing every day for the 30 years since we left Las Vegas, like almost every single day. And there's a catalog of emails that we're stacking up. And then texting began to intrude. Mm -hmm. And then Marco Polo shows up and they haven't exchanged an email now for probably six months because it's all incredibly long Marco Polos. I come in and your mom's on the counter talking for 45 minutes and Kelly's doing her thing and then I'll come in and Kelly's... So Mm -hmm. Marco Polo, this next step in the digital evolution is putting pressure, real pressure on the utility of email. Who would have thought? Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's crazy. You know what? Someone, another friend pointed out how they were talking about how people are on their phones so much, kind of critically and fine. But this girl mentioned, she's like, yeah, but you know, when I was a kid, my mom spent pretty much all day with a phone like this, uh-huh. with one of those like 30 foot coil, <laughs> coil. cords yeah. like wrapping around the house. And I remember that as a kid, mm-hmm. moms were talking and catching up and, mm-hmm. and having social interaction on the phone mm-hmm. like yeah. this. And to say that social media is That's all of a, a sudden point. taking time out of people's day and taking their attention off their kids is not true because Phones were doing that also for a or long time. At least time. it's not as true yeah, yeah. As, it, as the as the urban yeah. it's myth not, would have it. It's not quite. It didn't. Ha- it didn't happen like you know eight yeah. years ago for the first time. Right. That that's right. Because moms are not quite doing that the <laughs> same way. Yeah. But but I know that with our YouTube thing, when I when my eyes open up in the morning, about the first thing I do is check to see what emails have come in from the East Coast or UK mm-hmm. or someplace earlier in the time zone. Yeah. Nobody local is emailing or texting, but it's you know, and oh, so yeah, it's just connected to people who were active while yeah. I was still asleep. And so I instantly feel like I have to catch up. So there is that. Interesting. It's definitely reprogramming my brain because I will, and you know, I, we mentioned moms, but dads classically read the newspaper in the morning sure, or whatever. Sure, yeah. And I remember being a little kid and like doing that sort of for fun and yeah, I'm touching newspaper, but say, when my eyes wake up, I get online to see if anything blew up overnight. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have to know if something blew up. Yeah. Instantly, it is. I, yeah. it's, it's a it's a addiction. With consciousness. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And you know the stereotypical people on the subways. I'm so glad I'm not living that lemmings life. You know, running. Yeah. But they're sitting there historically, and they've got the newspaper out that they picked up at the newsstand that they stepped onto the train. So I mean, what's the functional difference between that and this, right? Well, the newspaper would be more private and keep you away from like well, it would, having yeah. to make eye contact. And you wouldn't people. have to wear a mask. I mean, if you got the New York yeah. Times wrapped around your face, you're doing some good with that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. If if we're lucky, we'll have some skateboard footage at the end of this. Some of <laughs> twist Brian, Brian's inception uh, video work. Oh, boy. Although, uh, you know, who knows? That can be hard to get that stuff even onto. You know, it's like when you have it on a whatever those old yeah. discs are it's easier said than done and maybe a little more of his thor like hammering skills yeah we'll put that <laughs> up too all right well thanks everybody we'll catch you next time <laughs>